when I start organizing what Pasha's told us in the Shavit Mihida from the Lublin Rebbe, he explains that Pasha's told us, teaches us um, a very important lesson. We find by the Pasha of the Ba'iris, the wells that were dug, the Pusik says that the Ba'iris that shall sit them, plish them, right? Yitzchak Avini was uncovering those those wells that got uh, stuffed. He says that Yitzchak Avini, Zorik Kodesh, Yitzchak Avini is called Misitra, the Choyshech, the Kedisha. Yitzchavini is mid sagvira. Yitzchavini was was the beginner of almond steaming. Things that were closed, things that were sealed, things that were concealed. And at the same time, we find that he's the one that's bringing about the galas, you know, opening back up the ba'iras that were closed. And he says it's it's a lesson in life. So often there's a yeshiva someone's looking for things seem to be concealed and shut and 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 inaccessible. And it's those times, and it's the things that look so hidden from us that are really part of the Yeshia. Yitzhak Avini, who's part of what it seems is Alma Destimen, things that are hidden from us, he's really the one that's actually bringing about the Yeshia. And it's the Koyach HaToyre, the old Toyre is the Bechina Fasus and Begalia, where we find that things that are really, um, they look concealed and really they're, they're, they're right there in front of us. Shabbos is like that. He says, this week's Pasha teaches us that not always is what looks to be Midasadin and Midasagvira and bad um, the way it is, Adrabah, usually the Yeshia is actually hidden in those places and, and, and that's where it's coming from. When, when it comes to Chinech for example, right, every parent knows that what seems to a child to be discipline and din and richik uh, is really a lot of the Chinech we're trying to instill in our children. Part of loving children, being in the car of them and helping them grow is by knowing when to be small doicha. And sometimes that alone is part of the Yemin Makarevas because that alone is one of the biggest lessons that a child needs in life. Um, you know, Chazal talk about that, that Yitzhak Avini is actually the one being the most Mulamat Chizan even though he looks like the Midas Adin, and things like that. And in every relationship, every relationship, the fact that somebody knows how to, once in a while, in a healthy way, in the right time, okay, with all the disclaimers uh, needed, but put their foot down, and know when it's not okay, and when to be assertive, when to communicate, and when to uh, make a healthy boundary, sometimes that's helping a relationship thrive. Now, I talk about this often, and I get a lot of feedback about these topics. It seems that I'm bringing more awareness uh, to these ideas than other people. It's just important to remember that anything you do in a relationship that might come across as uh, protecting yourself or sticking up for your rights, it should never be done with that, with that motive or with that mindset. And it's important to remember, you're just trying to help yourself and your spouse or whoever it is that you're in a relationship with to get along. And you do that by not self-obliterating yourself and, and not... Uh, you know, and, and not ignoring yourself and not making believe you don't exist in the name of, of being a good person in the name of having a good relationship and when it's done the right way with the right intention you know, most often it's, it's actually part of the yeshia it's part of the uncovering the things that were hidden and, and were concealed and were inaccessible in a relationship so with that said let me read a question Uh, along these lines in, in this topic. Okay, hi. I have been listening to Rabbi Gruen's Shiram for a while now, and I'm amazed every time again at the clarity and logic all issues are addressed with. Okay, thank you. Regarding the Shir, bettering communication and resolving dysfunctional patterns, I have related so much to this question, I just did not understand the answer. Rabbi Gruen did mention that it's a vague answer. Baruch my marriage is a work in progress, every year hopefully getting better. My husband is a very big Talmud Chochem, very Ehrlich. He just has a major timing issue, that is very dysfunctional. I tried thinking of it as a backdrop to so much of his good qualities, but at the end of the day, going to sleep in the a.m., waking up late, davening for a minimum of three hours, which he actually truly means, 
And then that takes up the first half of the day, coming late to the second half of the day, making up the missed learning by night. His days just bleed one into the next. It's a real shame. He's so capable, but he can't figure out how to schedule his day. Rabbi Gruen spoke about enabling this function. That's exactly what is happening. I work two jobs, and my in-laws give us a lot of support as well to cover from my husband's lacking. Because, because of his schedule, he can't help much. My husband is also very sensitive and doesn't like when we have conversations regarding this issue. And I, as well, don't want to push don't want to put up with how he will react to what I say. Please let me know how I can help him, help me, and help us so that we can truly connect. Thank you for your wonderful work and for all that you do for the cloud. It should be a schus. Okay. I, I actually read it word for word without changing any details. Um, and like I say sometimes, uh, people might, might be afraid, but unfortunately, there's not too much identifying information over here. I can tell you that much. And, and also, I, I, didn't, I feel that with changing details, I, I, I will be missing some of what I want to address. But I can tell you clearly that I heard these situations very many times. Um, and, and I like discussing details. You know, somebody told me I, I get too analytical when I'm giving answers. Um, the way I see it, being analytical and picking up on the things between the lines is often what, what's part of their answer. Of course you can give a short answer and say do this or don't, don't do that, but if you're trying to educate people and help people understand things, then yeah, it's important to, to pick up on the details. So the first thing that I do want to mention, which you... Um, it was in parentheses, actually, that Regruen mentioned in that class about resolving dysfunctional patterns that it was a vague answer. I might be vague today as well, um, but, but I want to explain that. Discussing, first of all, any, any sensitive topic, and especially giving advice and guidance and ideas about how to, what, what may look like, um, stick up for yourself and don't be taken for a ride and don't allow this anymore and put your foot down, this is, this is very sensitive advice. And it has to be applied correctly. And selling this advice wholesale and letting people hear ideas like, you know, you don't have to do this anymore. You can do your own thing. It, it's, it's very sensitive. It's very sensitive. Anything drastic or, or anything uh, that's not the typical um, definitely needs to have guidance. And if it's going to be an idea like uh, quitting your jobs or forcing someone uh, to be more functional and, and, and do things, you, you, this could be drastic. And, and, it could, and you could be taking risks and you have to make sure you're applying the information correctly, expressing it correctly, making sure it's applicable for your situation. And these are things that I'm not um, comfortable being too clear about in a shir where I, I, I'm afraid that people might misinterpret and misapply. There's, there's so many details that, that would need to be addressed and so many nuances in applying this correctly that you know, I, I am sometimes vague and I'm clear about the fact that I'm vague so nobody thinks that what I just said could be done and taken face value. On the other hand, the reason why I do talk about these things is because there's always a place for it, and, and people should know that you know some situations do do require drastic measures. Uh, when I gave up my book, one of the rabbunim that I that I went to for Askoma in my Yiddish book, um, he didn't have time to read the whole book himself. He knew the ideas and he was familiar with with the the main idea of the book, and he flipped through it. But before giving Askoma, he wanted to be responsible, and he gave it to Ingaman Tamut Chochmu, he trusts. And he told him that he should read through it, and if there's anything that he, that he thinks might be questionable, he should bring it to his attention, and we'll see if there's something to be concerned about before writing Askoma. Um, others did read through the, every page of the book before giving Askoma, but that was the way he did it. And Shoyim, the single man, read through the book, and he came back to the roof with a few small um, questions. Yeah, I read this on this page, that page. Is the roof okay with this? Um, giving Askoma and what it says over here. And one of the things that he, that he pointed out to the roof was that Somewhere in the book, I'm not going to get too specific, was a certain um, drastic idea that if this and this happens, you might not have a choice and you might have to uh, do X, Y, Z. As uncomfortable as it is and as, 
as uh, undesirable, you know. And he asked, is this something that should say in a book? I mean, this is a little daring. It's for uh, maybe exceptional situations, but not, not the ordinary. Maybe you don't want to introduce people to these ideas and things like that. And maybe he took one look at it and said, no, that, that's great. There are definitely times that need drastic measures and people have to know it. So that was, for me, comforting. I, I, I felt that it was okay, but just no. So my point is just that when I talk in a shir about, uh, you know, sometimes you have to do something drastic, it's important that people know there's such an idea. But it's also important to know that anytime you're doing something that might rock the boat or might be a little um, taking a risk or maybe something that's a little dangerous, you don't do it on your own. That's, that's just a very, very important disclaimer. So now let, let's get back to what, what, what I'm reading over here. You mentioned that your husband is a Erdoche Talmud Chochum. First of all, I believe that it's true. Uh, and, and I'm very happy that you're seeing it and, and expressing it. And, and I'll tell you why. This is, this, aside from the fact that I'm just throw it in there now. Um, this is everything. If the person you married is Erlich, Erishamayim, and Atam Chochem, this is everything. That's it. Our goal in life is to serve Hashem and be Erlich and 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 Torah can get kilam. And somebody who's sitting and learning Torah is, is everything. Now, of course, you also have to be a mensch. And of course, Udam Yerushamayim. I know all these Torahs, and, and and they're all true. And having a dysfunctional side rayom um, is not is not uh, excusable just because someone's Erlich Atam Chochem. But it's important to remember that you got a lot. The fact, the very, even if nothing will ever change in, in your situation, the fact that you married someone who is Erlich, serves Hashem, and learns Torah, is not something to take for granted, and not something to you know, throw, out and, uh, throw out the baby with the bathwater and say, well, I don't need all this, I need... This, this is a lot. And very many people are, and maybe even should be, jealous of somebody who has a schus of marrying an Erlich Atam And I mean it when I say it. Um, another thing is that I mention this because sometimes people misinterpret that if he would really be so Erlich and he would mean it, he wouldn't do it like this and that. You know, there's the wrong way of doing it. So, so now they're going to deduce that the person's Yerushalayim um, or Erlichkeit is not sincere. Aside from the fact that it's inaccurate and, and, and you know, I believe that it is possible um, that it's like this. Um, it, it's very wrong to start, uh, to start um, coming to the conclusion on your own that somebody doesn't mean something you know, because it's not being done the way you like or even the way it should be. It's just important. People don't realize how often they they machavek and they and they come to conclusions so quickly of you must not be sincere about it. And why do that? Why take away what there is? Why not acknowledge the qualities? Why not be thankful and appreciate them and respect them for what they are? It's not a contradiction to anything else you want or anything else that should be in place or anything else that you could achieve still. But just just don't. That, that's important. And I also want to mention that it, it does make a big difference if somebody's um, sitting around doing nothing. And he's, and he's not functioning properly. And it's all the name of, because he wants to sit and learn, but he really never gets to it, right? He wants to become a Tamil Chochum, but he's not doing anything for it. Or he wants to be Erlich, but in the meantime, he's really doing other things that are proving otherwise. It makes a very big difference. I'm not saying that for someone who is an Erlich, a Tamil Chochum, it's fine to let him do whatever he wants, no matter whose expense it's on. I'm just saying, you, you take these things into account. You take these things into account. The fact that somebody means something, okay, so... Proceed with caution. Just make sure that you're not, uh, you know, definitely something to, to take into account. Even if someone might be fooling himself, but, but he's still doing the right things and trying, trying hard to be a good person, it's something to take into account. That's all I'm saying. And it's interesting because, you know, there's that, that story of the Avis Yisrael. Um, there's a woman whose, whose son became uh, Frim and Erlich and was totally not what he grew up with. I guess his father was, you know, some farmer or something. And she had no idea what this was, so she came to the office, so complaining. She said, Rebbe, what do I do with my son? 
And he became crazy. He said, really, what happened? When he gets up in the morning, he goes to the mikveh, and it's cold, and then he davens every day, and then he, and then he sits and learns in shiel, and he does this and that. Like, but crazy things that she wasn't used to. So the Rebbe wanted to comfort her. The Rebbe says, it's okay, I also do that. I, I also do these things. I also get up in the morning, I go to the mikveh, I daven. Said, yeah, the Rebbe does it for Panusa, he means it. You know, there were tzaddikim who, who did um, funny things. They went to sleep late, and they woke up late, and they had an interesting side of the room, and they were busy catching the tail the whole day, and they, and they maybe, maybe you could call it they weren't functioning properly, or, and, and they weren't holding a job, and other things. I don't mean to say that every man should do that, and I don't mean to say that that's something that all tzaddikim did. I just want to mention, there are those exceptional, extraordinary situations of people who were really great people, and they, it was very hard for them to be bound by you know, the typical um, expectations of what we expect someone to do, and that's how they served Hashem, and that's how they went on. And, and they had a wife, Yishik Shairu, for whatever reason, put up with it, and ran the home, and let them steig and crawl up to Shemayim. And th- there was such a thing. I, I don't think that everyone should be doing that. And I'm not, I, I have no reason to think that that's what your, your husband should be doing, or that, or that you're obligated at all to stand for it. Again, I just wanted to point it out. I just wanted to point it out. You know, sometimes when somebody's doing something in a very interesting way, th- there are those exceptional situations, totally exceptional, totally... Uh, you know, exception to the rules, where maybe he's doing his own thing, and maybe he'll be the next uh, good ladar, who just, uh, who knows nothing but uh, Hashem, and Terusa, and Musa, and whatever else. So I'm just, I'm just mentioning it. But again, it's not what I, it's not what I believe is, um, is the right thing. I do believe that sometimes you have to know how to help these situations become normal and function properly. Not a question. But I am impressed with what you write, that let me know how I could help him and me and us so we could connect, because that must be your motive. There must be a motive when, when you're, and like I started off, um, people who look to stick up for themselves and people who look to decide, I don't have to tolerate this, I'm not going to anymore. And so much of it, and very often therapists are very big into promoting this, you don't have to tolerate this, no reason to stand for it. And people don't realize how much of what they're about to do or say or express is all in the, in the name of and with the tune of, that's it. I'm, from now on, I'm caring only for myself. I had enough of this. I took everyone seriously till now. I, I, I have to take care of myself. Taking care of yourself, even when you have the right to, is not helping your marriage, not helping your relationship, and not helping your life, not helping your happiness. If you do any, whatever you're going to do, but you do it with the intention of helping both of you, whether it's to connect, to be happy, to function properly, to do the right thing in life and be successful, you know, that, that's always the right way to go. Always the right way to go. Okay, so let's, let's now get a little more into the topic, and that is, when somebody is, is not functioning properly, now again, like I said, I don't know anything more than is written over here. For all I know, there could be extraordinary circumstances, there could be reasons for it, there could be limitations. But in general, when somebody's not functioning properly, whether, whether it's a man who's not bringing panusa and not having a normal schedule and not, and not being consistent with his life and not being productive or fulfilling, or whether it's a woman who's not cooking and cleaning and running home and raising children or, 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 or having a normal schedule and things like that. And I hear it on both ends all the time. Um, very many people are complaining about and my wife is in bed all night with the phone then sleeps in the morning and sends the kid out there's nothing to eat and giving frozen pizza by night while it's still frozen and whatever else dysfunction is not okay yet it's important to understand that when you break it down the same dysfunctional patterns and the same dysfunctional behavior really have in them a few different components and like I talk often about boundaries there's a part about yours mine and ours in the same dysfunctional behavior there's the part where you're not functioning properly which is not good for you and I, I wish I could help you with it, because I want you to be a better and happier and more successful person. There's the part about me where it's directly affecting me and demanding of me. 
And then there's the hours where we share a home, we share a family, and it's directly impacting things that belong to both of us, which by default are now, again, falling on me. So it's, it's important to just break it down. Sometimes people see it as one big mumble-jumble, and the way they address it is also by just trying to control the other person and put down the other person without realizing, take it apart, understand it for what it is, know which parts you're more uh, credible and more responsible to deal with and which parts maybe you shouldn't yet or, or even address and things like that. I, I think what happens but often is that these things are misinterpreted. We either see it as somebody who's just not capable, it's a personal limitation, and what can I do? There's nothing I can do about it. He has this issue, she has this problem, and I'll work around it because this person is not well. Or, no, they really could, and it's time for me to be tough on them, and let's call it tough love, or whatever people, whatever names and terms people give it, and now I'm going to fix them. Because really I should fix them. It's important to not misinterpret things, and understand what it is, and break it down to know how to address it. Um, of course you want to judge someone favorably, and understand they don't mean anything bad, and, and, but, but at the same time, they could be very much more capable than you think they are, if only they would be able to, uh, if only somebody would help them do the right thing. Now, like you mentioned, and like you probably heard in my other class, and, and people don't realize how how uh, how, how much a, a, it's it's not to blame anyone or to make anyone feel responsible. Codependency. I'm responsible for someone else's issues. But whenever anyone is being dysfunctional, behaving dysfunctional, you're living such a kind of life. There's always someone covering for them. Always. Uh, when somebody tells me my wife is in bed a whole day, for example, she doesn't come out from Shabbos to Shabbos. Really? So, so the kids don't go to school? No, they go to school because I take them to school. So they're not eating anything? No, the neighbor brings supper. So, but not, they, they don't have clothes to wear? No, no, my grandmother... Okay, so somebody's covering. A real dysfunctional situation that nobody's covering for would fall apart. There are very few people that are, that are truly dysfunctional with nobody covering for them and thereby enabling this issue to go on. There are very few people that don't have a job I'm talking now about the men, who don't have a job and not bring any income and not covering the bills and not being responsible to provide for a family and, and the family's um, eating nothing. You know, they're going, they're going in the street for handouts, eating by chasmus. You almost don't find that. When somebody's not bringing panusa, it's because somebody else is covering the bills. Now maybe they're borrowing, maybe someone's lending, maybe they, they don't have a lot what they need, but, but it, it's, being, it's being enabled. And that's often a problem. People don't realize you know, how much they're covering for someone just because they're trying to hold the pieces together and they care for the family. They don't want it to become um, intolerable. And I understand that. It's very hard to watch something be intolerable. But they don't realize how that, that is what's letting a situation go on. And when, and when, you, look at the, when you look at the... When you look at the patterns in the past, when it wasn't being enabled or somebody wasn't covering, that's when the person didn't have a choice and they had to do something about it. And then they fell back because it was. And again, this is something that... It's not conscious and it's not always so easy to see because you know they fall back slowly and they test the waters and then somebody covers in again and that. But, but most often this is really what's happening and, and it's not only with dysfunction by the way it's in general people are not functioning to their fullest when they have what to lean on and, and it's normal it, this is how life is people, people push themselves there's a reason why we have deadlines right? because if not we wouldn't get there why? because as long as I don't have to I'm not going to and when I have to I do it now, if the deadline would have been yesterday, I would have done it yesterday. Why? Because I had to. If I don't have to, I don't do it. Now, it's okay. For, for most people, in most cases, it's fine. Because there's enough that people have to do that make them live life somewhat uh, productively. Um, somebody was just talking to me recently also about how, you know, between, between his father-in-law who has a grocery and, and he gave him the apartment that he doesn't have to pay rent for, together with the little amount of money that the government gives him, 
You know, he has everything he needs. And then he goes on to tell me how he doesn't have a job, he doesn't have this, he doesn't have that. And he really, he's, he's walking in circles, he used to have this chavrus, so now he has that chavrus. Doing nothing. Now, he's not dysfunctional. I mean, he's not sleeping through the day. He's not, um, you know, he's available when he has to be, he's helping at home. It wasn't a matter of dysfunction, it was just a matter of, what a shame. Isn't it a shame when somebody's not being productive? Now, that his answer was, and, and he wasn't even answering it to justify, just the answer is, why should he go find a job, especially one that he's not, that he's not very uh, comfortable with, not one that he enjoys, if he doesn't have to? There's a reason why we work. There's a reason Chavis Abubis talks about it in Shara B'Tochen. There's a reason why Hashem made that we should have to work for Panusas so that we don't go Laidik. So it's not a question that Hashem made us do things for our benefit. And you don't want to help someone not have to do things if really they should have to do it and it would only be a help to them. I mean, the whole issue that the government helps us so much, we're living in Amachas Rechesed, here in America, who's watching this, um, and you can make a lot of money on the government. And I know that I'm not going into the debate of if that's what Hashem wants people to do, if that's Hashem's way of sending Panusa, if you should take it, if you shouldn't take it, if you should lie about it, if you shouldn't lie about it, that's not the point of this discussion. The government is there to help people because some people, it seems, really can't make it. So you have people who are homeless and people who are sick and people who are unemployed and people who got thrown out of a job and the government is, is so nice and they pick up the pieces. But how many people are relying on this when, if not for that, they would just be doing the right thing more? Now there are people who are doing the right thing and they still need the help. Like I said, it's not our discussion here. My point is just that you know, when you try to help everyone, so many people who might not need the help or, or wouldn't be homeless um, without the help either, but now they're relying on you. And, and you know, look at the whole COVID with the whole unemployment, the whole thing, it just cripples everyone you know, when there's no reason to work and, 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 and be a productive person. Now, if somebody's sitting and learning and a wife, Aisha Schail, is funding someone's learning, and they feel good about it, and they want to do it, and it's a schus to do it, and like I said before, it is a schus to do it, it's obviously a different story. And in this case, where somebody is a Tomit Chochum, and he is Erlich, and whatever, and he is learning, and the reason why he doesn't have a job has a lot to do with the fact that he's learning many hours a day, or being a, you know, there's something to take into account, and say, listen, I, I'm okay um, working and funding this, because I believe in it, and I want it, and this is the home I want, and this is the husband I want, and you know, that's a wonderful thing. The fact that a woman is working and her husband's living a coil life and sitting and learning is not called enabling anything. It's fakert. It's called, it's called enabling the right thing. It's, it's, it's the biggest schos. But if somebody doesn't want to do it or they're doing it and it's not bringing the results they want or for whatever reason they feel like things aren't going the way it should, then yeah, it's time to think. What do I do now? Am I doing the right thing? Now, I, I don't know if you can control your in-laws who are supporting you and giving you uh, the guy, whether it's apartments or groceries or or help, or whatever it is, um, I, don't, I don't even think you should. You, maybe you'd want to address it, obviously everything depends on all the different factors that come in, but who your in-laws are, and how they're going to take this, and whatever else. And it's not even your business, I, I don't think, what they give and how they give. But somebody who's holding two jobs, and working hard, and seeing that it's all just letting things go haywire, and demanding of them to both work, and run a home, and cover the, cover the basis for somebody who's not present... You know, it's, it's definitely something that, like, like I keep on saying, with, with the right application and the right guidance, might be something worth addressing. Now, everything starts with communication, right? You say you don't, you don't like these conversations, or he doesn't like conversations, and nobody likes it. I, I don't even like talking about this conversation right now as I'm, as I'm talking about it. We like, we like conversations about happiness and naches and, uh, you know, all nice things. That, that's what we like. But sometimes you have to talk about things you don't like so much. And if you're afraid of someone's uh, reaction, 
you know, and that's why you're not discussing something that, that's usually also wrong. Now, of course, if the person's reaction is because you're saying the wrong thing, then of course you have to make sure that you're saying the right thing. If the reaction is because you're saying it in the wrong way, then you have to say it in the right way. But if when you address something, somebody doesn't like what you just said, they give you a certain attitude which makes you think twice before you address it again, if it was the right thing to address, very often you should. It's not very different. I don't mean to, I don't mean to imply that you're being mechanach your husband like you'd be mechanach a child. But with children, when you tell your child something, you know, please don't leave your, table, your plate on the table, or please don't fight with your brother, and they give you attitude and they walk away, and, and you don't like that reaction... The point is not to never again say something because I don't, want to de- I don't have to deal with the reaction. As a matter of fact, part of the reaction, at least subconsciously, is, is being um, exhibited only because part of what they're doing is being done only so that you don't dare bring it up again. When you bring it up in a nice way and you tell someone the right way and you show them that you're not afraid to bring it up when it has to be brought up, very often you'll, you'll definitely make um, some communication and progress about it. Now, how to communicate. I talk about this almost every week. You have to know when to bring something up not in a challenging time, and not when somebody's off schedule and you're calling them, where are you? And things are, are now very uh, tense. You want to bring it up when, when it's the least relevant. You want to give all the bumpers about, um, I understand that you don't mean anything bad, and maybe it's not a problem at all, and I could be misinterpreting. You know, all those bumpers you want to give, and they're important, and they're real, by the way. I'm not blaming you. I don't think you, you do anything bad. And it's not about the idea of this is a crazy situation, and it's not the way it should be, and this is not the way a Talmud Chochem should live, and it's not how a Kodim, and I'm not, I'm, it's about yourself. This is very hard on me. I wish I could do this. I, I, I know you, you're a good person, and I want to do it for you. And again, this is not only about learning and davening and dysfunction, it's in general, everyone, who's dealing with a dysfunctional thing. I understand you're very tired, and it stands hard for you to get out of bed, I understand for whatever reason, uh, you're on your phone all night watching, I don't know what, I understand it all. I'm not here to debate with you on it or tell you how wrong you are. For me, it's becoming very difficult to you know, do what I have to do because of what's going on. Please let's discuss you know, how we get out of this pattern because for me, it's not working. And I would appreciate very much if you could be more considerate of, of how this is affecting me and know the changes I'm about to make about myself. By the time you express everything about yourself and clarify the, you know, what you're really not okay with about how it affects you, as well as the part that affects the home, but that's less, you know, that's already more touchy and more personal. But you could discuss that too. I think I, I feel that for the children this is very important, and I feel that we should discuss this and come up with a new way of doing things so that, that our children, our home, and our family benefits the most. And clarify the, the, the parts that you are in control of, not that you're going to control them, but just the parts that you are in control of, how you choose or how you feel you are going to be uh, behaving going forward. You do want to clarify also that you're ready to discuss it with someone just to sound more credible. It's not about me against you and you against me and, and seeing who's strong and who's going who's gonna to win and fear us. This is about coming up with the right thing. I'm wanting to do the right thing and I'm happy to talk to the roof or the madrech or the coach or the therapist or someone you trust who will hear you both out and do the right thing. It's, also, it's a display of, of confidence knowing that I, I'm, not, I'm not making a decision on my own. I'm happy to hear what someone has to say if this is reasonable. Is it what we should be doing or not? Um, and, and, and mentioning the word reasonable, you want to be very reasonable. You want to be very reasonable. Sometimes people go to an extreme because what they're dealing with is extreme or for whatever reason and, and, and it's not working. It's not going to work. You can't get somebody who's been waking up at 3 p.m. Uh, to start waking up at, at 7 a.m. It, it doesn't work. I know somebody who tried that recently, actually. You know, somebody was waking up at 3 p.m. And all of a sudden the guy was waking up at 10 a.m. He was trying very hard. He was getting out of bed at 10 a.m. And his wife was so busy with the fact that 10 a.m. is not a time to get up. 
And you know what? She's right. But for somebody who is used to sleeping till it's almost night, to start getting up when it's just getting morning, you got to be reasonable. It's just something to take into account. Same thing with a consequence. You have to, if you're going to say that, you know, if you get up very late, I'm not going to, it's okay, you could clarify what you are not going to do, but be reasonable. Don't do something that either you won't be able to do or something that's going to work against you or hurt everyone, etc., etc. Like I said, I like, I like remaining somewhat vague because don't, don't do this on your own. Um, and, and, and another thing, when you're going to be a little tougher on somebody, and by the way, this is all, this pertains, so much of this pertains to your children as well, but in a different context. But when a child's dysfunctional and you're covering for them, it, it's very similar. Um, but yes, when you want to be a little tougher and when you want to be a little stronger, again, all with the right motive of helping you and your family and your spouse, you want to make sure to up the positive, up the connection and the attention and the respect. If you're going to be the same respectful you were till now and you're going to be tougher and less tolerant, then chances are somebody will, t- will take that wrong and interpret your, your motives wrong. But if you're more connecting and more respectful and more forthcoming and more giving and more flexible and more kind-hearted and more understanding and at the same time less tolerant, chances are it could be taken right and really be helpful. So I think this is very, very important. And like I said, this is, this is sensitive information, um, sensitive guidance. There are situations that are totally um, exceptions to the rule where you shouldn't do any of this and for whatever reason, let it stay the way it is, either because I'm not hearing the full picture or because for whatever reason you're dealing with something that, you know, that really shouldn't be um, you know, challenged uh, quickly for whatever reason. But in general, yes, being strong and being the Yitzchak and the Mitzvah Vira and being the, the almond esteemant is sometimes the Yeshia. Sometimes that is what uncovers the best part of people and the best part of our relationships. So just to uh, summarize, um, it's good to see, the, the, it, it's important to see the good and interpret correctly the good in your husband and respect it. Respect him for what it is, especially when he's an a, a person. Like I said, that's everything. It's important to understand where you are enabling and start realizing where dysfunctional patterns are directly affecting you or something that, that you should be more responsible about. Um, and yeah, communicating about it in a healthy way and being clear about it and, and making those changes. And I yourself, uh, will, it will uncover all the good. It will, it will help you know, the parts of people that weren't able to be exposed and, uh, and uh, uncovered. And what's the word? Accessed. You know, come, come, come to the, the surface and bring the best out of everyone. And help us all live together.